convenient collection. Only $2.99 or free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Search for Blood Tingling Tales Complete Series on Amazon or go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. I am your host, just your friendly neighborhood, Maniac on the Loose. Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. And now, sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, and enjoy the ride. The Celibate My name is Jeff Powers, I'm 39 years old, and I'm a sex addict. Sex has consumed my life. When I was a kid, I used to jerk off a lot. Don't get me wrong, I understand that's not uncommon for young boys, but trust me when I tell you, I went for the all-time record. I've never been able to walk past a member of the opposite sex without imagining what they look like while having an orgasm. If a woman is within my view, I stare. I try to be discreet. I don't attempt to come off as a creep. I just can't help staring at their bodies. My eyes run up and down their figure. I hone in on their breasts, ass, and crotch. I'm aroused knowing that only thin layers of fabric keep me from seeing everything. All of my free time revolves around getting sexual pleasure in some form. I go to bars and pick up women. If I'm unsuccessful, I'll find some gal to have cyber sex with. It's all about sex. It's all I think about. It's what drives me, and it's driving me insane. I keep up a good front. Nobody knows what is going through my mind. Bank tellers, restaurant workers, cashiers, grocery store employees, all of the women I see at the places I frequent the most have no idea that the entire time we share an interaction, no matter how minute, I'm imagining what it would be like to be inside of them. Old, young, big, small, heavy, skinny, I don't discriminate. They're all welcome in my sexual world. I'm tired of the desire. I'm tired of how much of my life this consumes. I want my focus to be elsewhere, but no matter how hard I try, I can't stop this uncontrollable libido. Sex is like heroin to me. Unless I stop cold turkey and never indulge in it again, It will continue to control me. It's been 36 days since I've had sex. 
Everyone in the sex addict group applauded. Some whistled. They were genuinely proud of me as I stepped down from behind the podium. Our group usually had 5 to 15 people in it each session. I rarely miss a meeting. Even when I fall off the wagon, I come for the sympathy. As the session ended and the group dispersed, I made my way toward the back of the room to grab a donut for the ride home. I could hear footsteps coming up behind me. I turned to see the newest member of the group, a woman in her late 20s named Roxanne. She hadn't talked much as of yet, so I didn't know too much about her. She had a slight gothic appearance to her. Her puffy black hair was stiff with hairspray. Her face was pale with powder that accentuated the dark red lipstick she was wearing. She batted her heavily mascaraed eyes at me. I couldn't help but check her out. She was wearing a silky black top that did a poor job of hiding her ample breasts. Her tight leather pants revealed a nice outline of her legs, hips, and ass. Like what you see? I opted for honesty and nodded. Are you imagining what I look like when I have an orgasm? I could feel beads of sweat forming on my brow as my body began to swell. I licked my lips. Damn right. She looked me up and down. There's one way to find out. I grinned, but then shook my head and rid myself of the sex cobwebs and turned my back to this woman who was oozing sex. I could feel the warmth from her body as she moved in close to me. The heat from her breath on the back of my neck as she spoke sent shivers down my spine. Maybe next time. I closed my eyes tight until I heard the clickety-clack of her spiked-heeled boots walking away. I was proud of myself for resisting the urge to experience her. I sped home and hopped into a cold shower. The rest of my week was rather typical, although I was getting an unusual amount of reciprocal sexual gazes back from the women who I oogled. The sex addicts group didn't seem as productive as usual. Most of the people were quiet. Roxanne was there every night. She didn't say much, but her eyes spoke volumes. She wanted me, and I wanted her. But I kept my distance and didn't give in to my sexual urges. The end of the week was capped off by my niece's 18th birthday party. It was good to see my brother Richard. He wasn't the sexual deviant I was. He had a nice family life. His wife Kathy had legs that wouldn't stop. I was good at sneaking peeks at her without getting caught. Whenever we were in the same room together, I fantasized about taking her and had to hide my erection. We were all proud of my niece Kimmy. She was smart as a whip and was battling for valedictorian of her class. She was also head cheerleader. She got her looks from her mother. They had the same long, luscious legs. Today, Kimmy was wearing tight denim jeans, and I couldn't stop myself from checking out her ass every time she turned around. 
I couldn't do this anymore. Here I was thinking impure thoughts about a girl who was only 17 years old yesterday and also happens to be my brother's daughter. This was the last straw. I rushed out of the house. I tried to call my sponsor, but he wouldn't answer. I needed to talk to somebody. I drove to the building we held the sex addicts group at on the off chance that somebody might be there. And somebody was. Roxanne. I took her back to my apartment. The sex was savage, animalistic, and incredible. When we were finished, she stood up, got dressed, and said, Mission accomplished. Before leaving. I failed yet again. I had a breakdown in the shower. I smashed my knuckles against the porcelain wall until they bled. I was tired of being weak. I was tired of failing. I had enough of this. I collapsed to the shower floor and let the cold water wash over me. I'm not doing this anymore. 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 Eight months later. My name is Jeff Powers. I haven't had sex in eight months. It was difficult at first, but I was focused. I had drive and ambition flowing through my veins like nothing I had ever felt before. It was about the two-month mark when it began to get easier. Sex was no longer on my mind as much, and the urges decreased every day. My mind started filling with thoughts of other things I enjoyed. A fog was lifted from my mind. I felt as though I were catapulted from a primitive state to a more evolved frame of mind. I was seeing things more clearly, everything made more sense, and I was becoming aware of how stuck in the mud the majority of the world was. I was finally free. And then there were the women. Something about them had changed. Everywhere I went, the women were oogling me. The sexual innuendos I experienced were through the roof. I received multiple sex offers every day. Women were throwing themselves at me all the time. They wanted me to have sex. They needed me to have sex. It was at the six-month mark when I started noticing their eyes. The eyes of every woman I met had a red tint to them. Every day they glow brighter. They stalk me. Groups of women follow me everywhere I go. They're growing angry. Tonight, I was the last one to leave the sex addict group. I put the chairs away and turned off the lights. When I stepped into the hall, I could see a group of half a dozen women. I could only make out their silhouettes and their eyes. Their red, glowing eyes. I ran. They chased. They kept calling for me to give in and enter them. They knew I was seeing them for what they were, and they wouldn't have that. 
They needed me to have sex again, to fall back to my primitive state, to stop advancing, for the sexual fog to cover my brain once again. In an effort to hide from the sex-crazed women, I rushed into a nearby church. I shut the door behind me and put my ear to the door. I could hear their footsteps run by and then disappear into the distance. I was safe. For now. You know, don't you? I turned around to see an old, frail priest. Women rule the world. They always have. He knew! What is happening? He motioned to a pew. Sit down, young man. I did as instructed and the priest explained. I've been a priest for a long time, and I take my vows seriously. You are rare, but you're not alone. He sat down in the pew across the aisle from me. At one time, the dominant species on this planet were men. We were a species that reproduced asexually. Women are not of this planet. They arrived in vessels from a galaxy far away. Their species needs mates. They travel the universe searching for such. The priest looked around as if to ensure that no one else was listening and lowered his voice. They manipulated the male DNA, making them capable of sexual reproduction. This served two purposes for the females, the obvious being reproduction of their species, but also control. He leaned in closer to me. The fog you feel, that all men feel once reaching a certain age, the sexual fog, it keeps your minds in a primitive mode, never allowing it to grow and recognize what is happening. It is through the orgasm that they control. Whether it be sex or masturbation, the orgasm keeps the male mind from advancing. The old priest let out a hacking cough and had to take a moment to catch his breath before continuing. Did you know that the ratio of female to male births is 5 to 1? <laughs> of, of course you won't find that in any research. It has all been suppressed. They don't want us to know. They want to keep us in our primitive haze. They want us to have only one thing on our mind. It is essential. I was going to ask what they wanted, what their endgame was, but the old, wise priest could read my question within my expression and answered. Eventually, when the numbers are right, they'll take over, using men for slavery as well as reproduction. Once they've maximized the benefits of Earth, they'll destroy the planet and move on to the next one. He stood up and began speaking more emphatically. Those of us who know the truth keep our mouths shut, but perhaps one day, if there are enough of us who are awake... 
His speech was interrupted by the thud of the front doors banging open. A gang of at least 50 women entered the church. The priest turned and faced them bravely, but I could see in his eyes that he knew what was coming. He closed his eyes and took in a deep breath before they slit his throat. I tried to run, but there were too many of them. They ripped my clothes off and pinned me to the floor. My body betrayed my mind as they were able to arouse me to erection. As the others held me down, one woman disrobed, stood over me, and lowered herself until I was inside of her. The women rule me now, like they always have. I'm a rare one who saw behind the curtain. They tell me they'll let me live if I keep my mouth shut and have sex regularly. The priest's final words ring through my mind. Maybe one day, if there are enough of us who are awake. But how? I could shout what I know from the rooftops, but who would believe me? Perhaps if I can last a longer period of time without having an orgasm, my mind will advance enough for me to find the answer. My name is Jeff Powers. It has been one day since I've had sex. Heavy Metal I'm 16 years old, the year is 1983, I'm sitting in math class staring at the clock and I swear the damn thing is moving backwards. I'm anxious, my legs are restless, I'm shaking them constantly, I can't concentrate, 3 o'clock can't get here fast enough. I hate school. Schools are literal prisons for kids. We're forced to go here whether we like it or not. Everything we really need to learn we have a handle on by sixth grade. The rest is all indoctrination to try to brainwash us into being good little conformists. Hell, school is the only time most people will ever experience physical violence in their entire lives. However, today is altogether different. There's something else driving me besides my hatred for this penitentiary of an institution. The new Torture Chamber album was released today. If you don't know who Torture Chamber is, I feel sorry for you. They're only the best damn heavy metal band in the history of the world. My mom knew their new album was being released today, only because I had talked about nothing else the last month, and she knew this was a prime day for me to skip school to get that album. But she made me promise I would go to school and put off getting the album until after the 3 o'clock bell rang. I could have lied to her, told her I was going to school and then headed straight for the record store. But it wouldn't have sat well with me. I love my mom. She's all I've got. I'm an only child and my dad died in a car wreck when I was a kid. She has busted her ass all my life to provide for me. The least I can do is respect her wishes. But still, school is useless for me today. 
My focus is elsewhere. I'm not going to learn anything. Not today. Oh, how I wish I could have been in that line at Inferno Records and rushed inside when they opened their doors at 9 a.m. I could have fought through the rabid torture chamber fans, grabbed one of the albums, and listened to it over and over all day. Instead, I'm here in school, spending the day looking at the clock. Most of my friends are not here today. They're doing what I can only fantasize about. They've all heard every song on that album multiple times by now. To say I'm jealous is an understatement. Math is my final class of the day. It's 2.50 now, only 10 minutes to go. My anxiousness has transitioned into fear. Fear of getting to the record store only to find all of the Torture Chamber albums sold out. The last 10 minutes of school felt like 10 hours. When the bell rang, I treated it like the starting bell at the Kentucky Derby. I dashed through the sea of students with the swiftness of a cat and flew to my car. I parked in the teacher's parking lot today to avoid the congestion of the student's parking lot. I got out of there in a flash. The drive to Inferno Records was a blur. I felt like I had just woken up in a dream as I hurried into the store and darted to the T section of the albums. Then I noticed the gigantic torture chamber promotional display set up in the corner of the store that they had all the new albums housed in. It was so cool. It was shaped like a giant Iron Maiden torture device. I probably let out a squeal of glee as I approached it. I felt as though a giant hand tore into my chest and ripped out my heart when I saw that the display stand was completely empty. They were sold out, and I was screwed. I guess I looked sick as I moped my way toward the exit of the store because the store manager called out to me. What's wrong, kid? Why the long face? I managed to spit out some words. You're sold out of the new Torture Chamber album. Is that display empty again? Man, those albums fly off the shelves as soon as I restock them. Hang on, I have more in the back. Wait, did he just say he had more? I could have sworn that was what he said. I stood there in a daze waiting for him to emerge from the back room. Finally, he did, pushing a dolly with three huge boxes on it. I guess he could see that I was standing in shock and staring like a lovesick little boy at the boxes which held the albums because he let out a chuckle. He then proceeded to open the top box right there on the spot, pull out an album, and hand it to me. And just like that, I was holding the most awaited album of my entire life. I thanked the manager countless times as I paid, and I, I don't even remember my journey home. I entered through the garage door that opened up in the kitchen. My mom was standing over the stove prepping for dinner. I think I said hello to her as I hurried past her, but then she called out, What? No hug? A hug would delay me listening to the album by only a few seconds. Honestly, I could never provide her with the amount of hugs she deserved, so if she requested one, she got it. As she squeezed me tight, she whispered in my ear, be sure to take the garbage out before you get too lost in that album of yours. I promised her I would, and I meant it, but first I was going to listen to the first side of the album. 
As I hurried through the living room toward the stairs that would take me to my bedroom, I couldn't help but hear a breaking news report on TV. Apparently a teenage boy in the next town over murdered his entire family. I may actually know the kid. Normally I'd be glued to the TV to find out the details of what occurred, but that could wait. Me listening to the Torture Chamber album that I had been daydreaming about since they announced its release could not wait any longer. I got to my room, carefully placed the record on the turntable so as not to scratch it, and began listening. Wow. This was their third album, so I had an idea as to what to expect, but I was taken aback by this fabulous tapestry of ground-shattering thunder. They had taken their already amazing sound to another level. This had to be what people felt like when they first heard Mozart's Piano Sonata No. 11. I guess I was blasting torture chambers so loud that it was shaking the walls as my mother called up and asked me to turn it down a smidge. She never does that. I felt like turning it down would be an insult to torture chamber and what they accomplished, so I put on headphones. Somehow each song got better and darker. I could feel the blood in my veins pulsating. I was gritting my teeth harder as each song ended and a new one began. The intensity I was feeling from this work of art was off the charts. As I continued to listen to the masterpiece of an album, I read the titles of the songs on the album. The interesting thing was that all of the songs had one-word titles except for the last one. It was quite morbid, even by torture chamber standards. Death, murder, kill, execute, annihilate, exterminate, slaughter, massacre, sacrifice, play it backwards. My heart was racing as I approached the end of the album. I felt like I was about to hyperventilate. I was too into it all. I needed something to accompany my mind to alleviate the force of the music, so I turned on the TV. The news was on. Apparently, something major was unfolding around the country. The news anchorman's voice was drowned out by Torture Chamber's raging symphony of metal, but I could see the images and read the headlines on the screen. Young men from all over the country are slaughtering their families. My jaw dropped when I saw the next headline come over the screen. I actually turned off Torture Chamber and turned up the TV and listened to the newsman. All of the murders have happened after the young men listened to a new album by the heavy metal band called Torture Chamber. I turned off the TV. This was ridiculous. How dare they blame a murdering spree by a bunch of psychos on the best band known to man? I immediately called my best friend Joey to see if he had heard the news. When he answered, his voice sounded sluggish. I asked him if he had heard about what was happening. He answered me in a deep, sinister voice. Listen to the final song on the album. Listen to it now. With that, he hung up. I tried calling him back, but the phone just rang and rang. Then I called my buddy Ronnie. 
His voice also had a deep tone to it, and he spoke without emotion. Did you hear the final song on the Torture Chamber album? It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I could hear the clang of him setting the phone down, but he didn't hang up. I could hear his footsteps as he walked away from the phone. After a moment, I could hear hacking sounds followed by the distant shrill of a woman screaming out in terror. What the hell was going on? I looked down at the album cover again and gazed at the final song entitled, Play It Backwards. I felt compelled to play it, so I did. I was expecting to hear music, but instead just heard a deep voice. It sounded much like Joey and Ronnie just did on the phone. The voice said, Play it backwards. Then odd music began. There was a jolting jaggedness to the melody. I could hear voices, but they were garbled and skipping. Then the music stopped and the voice came back on. Play it backwards. For a reason I can't explain, I felt like I needed to obey. I did as instructed and manually turned the album in the opposite of what was normal. I can't describe the music I heard. It was beyond music. It was unfathomable. I was overwhelmed with a euphoric feeling. And then the deep voice began to sing the following lyrics over and over. Kill your family. Kill them all. Bring them death. Bring them slaughter. Kill your family. Kill them all. I laughed at first. <laughs> Was this some kind of sick joke? Did they really expect me to hear this and kill people? Was this a marketing ploy? How dumb! That's what I thought at first. But as I sit here listening to the song, for some reason that I can't comprehend, it all makes sense. This isn't something that should be done. It's something that must be done. Don't forget to take out the garbage. Excuse me. My sweet mother, whom I love dearly, is calling me. I must go kill her now. They live upstairs. I'm a 59-year-old exterminator. I specialize in rats. Most of the establishments I get called to are restaurants, large apartments, and office buildings. Most people seem to think there's some kind of magic rat dust I can spray around and just like that their rat problem will vanish. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. The main thing that attracts rats is food. If food is lying about consistently, rats will show up like it's a half-price buffet. The first thing I do when dealing with rats is figure out why they are there. 
When I inevitably find easy food access for them, I educate the folks inhabiting the structure not to make it easy for the rats. I also look for obvious entry points for rats and then seal them up. You'd be surprised how small of an opening a rat can squeeze in through. Unkempt dumpsters next to these buildings give the rats a reason to be there in the first place. Once the entryways are repaired, food is properly sealed, and dumpsters and alleyways are cleaned up, most rats will just seek another building that isn't as well maintained. As for the existing rats in a structure, traps are my main go-to. Being that rats are my specialty, I work in the city a lot, but today I got a call way out in the country. The Drake House. The house is well known as being the oldest, largest house in the state. It's practically a castle. At one time, it was an active location with lots of farmhands as they raised horses. Legend has it that a strange creature stalks the grounds of the Drake property. Some say the creature ravaged the horses and is the reason no animals have been kept there for years. Nowadays, the Drake House is in quite a decrepit state. Most of the previous inhabitants had died or moved away. The lone resident left is Old Lady Drake. She must be near a hundred years old. Not many people go out there other than delivery drivers who drop off food for the old woman. Word around town is that some of the delivery drivers who went there never returned. These are all ridiculous modern town legends, of course, but some people swear by them and don't want anything to do with the Drake House. Last month, our company was called in to handle a rat problem. They sent one of my co-workers named Roman. He was scared as hell when he got the assignment. He begged me to take the call for him. I'm not superstitious, so I would have been happy to, but I was already booked up. He pleaded with the boss to give the job to someone else. Our boss is a son of a bitch. He told Roman to do the job or he'd be fired. Roman reluctantly agreed to do it, but never showed at the Drake house. The boss would have fired him had he ever shown his face around here again, but he never did. No one ever heard from him again. That's how scared some people are about the Drake House. With Roman no longer being employed by the company, the assignment went to me, which is fine. After all, I'm not superstitious. As I drove toward the Drake House, I was pretty surprised how far out this place was. I hadn't seen another sign of life for nearly 20 minutes. The road finally ended at an old iron gate. I had to get out of my truck and push it open so that I could drive up to the house. And let me tell you, this place was daunting. The gargantuan structure loomed over me. It was three stories tall. The cold gray brick construction was worn and cracked. Several windows were broken. There were cracks in the foundation that a dog could fit through, let alone a rat. I got out of my truck and made my way to the wooden front door. There was a lion's head door knocker. 
As I gently tapped the knocker against the weathered door, I could hear it echo through the house. I stood there for several minutes waiting for someone to answer the door. I have to tell you, I was starting to get the creeps. I found myself holding my breath when the thick wooden door creaked open. I could hear the shuffling of feet approaching and was finally greeted by the decrepit old woman. Her silver, wiry hair was tangled and hanging in knots around her shoulders. One of the woman's eyes was fogged over with cataracts. Her teeth were yellow and I could smell her putrid breath when she pointed at the staircase and whispered, They live upstairs. I started up the winding staircase that must have been breathtakingly beautiful in its heyday. Now it's just a sad reminder of how fast something can decay when not properly maintained. As I reached the second level of the house, I was bowled over by the stench of rat feces. She had an infestation, all right. The corridor on the second level was wide and cluttered with decades-old junk. I started down the corridor, contemplating where to begin when the decision was made for me. Rats. I could hear the clickety-clack of their nails against the cold concrete floor at the end of the corridor. It sounded like several of them. They likely had multiple nests. I rushed down the corridor to one of the middle rooms on the left. I could hear the rats just behind the door. It was important to see where they ran to, so I stood quietly outside the door for several minutes to let them feel at ease. Then all at once, I kicked the door open. I had never seen so many rats in my life. The floor was rippling like an ocean from the bodies of rats climbing over each other as they darted for the safety of their nests. I was expecting to see them fleeing toward multiple small holes in the faltering foundation of the Drake House, but was shocked at what I saw. I could only describe it as a cave. What was once a solid brick wall had been chewed apart, creating a cave-like opening to the next room. I walked near the entrance of the cave. I couldn't see more than two feet into it, but I could hear the high-pitched squeaks and chatter of the swarms of rats that were housed within. As I stood at the entrance of the cave, I spotted a shredded ball cap sitting on the floor near it. I picked it up and saw that it said Sims Food Delivery on the front of it. Then I noticed a familiar work shirt lying in the shadows a few feet into the cave. It was the same work shirt I had on. It was my company's uniform. That's when I recognized the name on the breast of the shirt. Roman. So Roman did show up here after all. But if he came here, where was he now? I reached in to pull his work shirt out of the cave, but what I pulled out wasn't a shirt. It was the bloody stump of an arm. As I fell back and let out a scream, I heard a loud hiss and squeal come from behind me. 
I turned to find myself face to face with a monster rat. This rat was as big as a horse. Its mouth was frothing, and I could smell the rotting stench of death on its breath. I tried to stand and run, but the rat launched forward and clamped down on my arm like a vice. I tried to fight, but I had no chance. It was too powerful. As the rat mauled me, I witnessed my own blood spraying across the room and bringing a splash of color to the decaying walls. The last thing I saw before I blacked out was the old Drake woman as she darkened the doorway. She stood staring at me with a look of disappointment as she watched the gigantic rat eat me alive. I could barely hear her voice over the shriek of my own screams. Oh dear. I suppose I'll have to call another exterminator. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen on. We'll see you soon. Very soon.